displaced and far from home. The Exodus story begins and continues as a narrative of displacement. It was displacement that brought the people to Egypt in the first place. The people of Israel were forced from their homes due to desperate, unlivable conditions, drought, famine, near starvation. It says there was no food in all the land. So they went to live in the land of Egypt, where for a time they lived in peace. But over time that peace evaporated a new pharaoh arose over Egypt and brought unfounded suspicion of the people of Israel. They were held in forced labor. Unlivable conditions again caused displacement. Until that time when Moses led the people out into the wilderness on this long journey of extended wandering, displaced and far from home. Displacement happens far too often. As of today, there are more than 110 million people worldwide who have been forcibly displaced. Displaced and far from home. After today's passage, the Israelites would go on to wander in the wilderness some 40 years, facing such hunger that they cried out, you've brought us out into this wilderness to starve us to death, the whole company of Israel. While the details of the crossing of the Red Sea are remarkable, this moment the moment immediately after crossing on dry ground was not the happy ending to the people's story. It was not an ending at all, really. It was a stop on the way, a moment in a longer narrative of displacement. Today's short passage is, of course, part of a much, much longer story. The lectionary texts today give us longer passages, which I have narrowed down into these two short verses. In one of the lectionary passages, we hear in great detail about the death of the members of Pharaoh's army. After the Israelites passed through the sea on dry ground, the waters closed up upon Pharaoh's soldiers. And while the phrase horse and rider thrown into the sea may have become shorthand for toppling a system of oppression, we must not forget that real lives were lost in the crossing of the Red Sea. We do not have enough information to know if those soldiers freely chose to work for the Pharaoh, or if they were in some way forced or pressured to join the army, although I would assume the latter, that they had little to say in the matter. Either way, real human lives were lost. 
and we cannot ignore that fact. The second lectionary text is a large portion of Exodus 15. And if you read that whole passage, you will notice that immediately before this passage that gives us Miriam's song, there is a much longer song attributed to Moses. His song begins with nearly the exact same words as Miriam's, but then goes on to expound upon the story. It is generally thought that Miriam's song came first and that Moses' song came later as he repeated Miriam's words and then added to them. Why was his recorded in scripture before Miriam's, you might ask? Well, biblical scholars basically say, he's Moses. If you have a brother who is regarded as a superhero by an entire people group, you might understand. Honestly, the fact that Miriam's song has remained in the canons of scripture is noteworthy, remarkable, wonderful. This is a long story of displacement, wandering far from home. Disruption makes us long for resolution. A story of conflict wants a happy ending. It would be nice if today's text were the conclusion that we longed for. We, wouldn't, we would all want for every form of displacement to end. But it often takes time to find resolution. The promised land was still far, far away from those we read about in today's passage. And yet, Miriam's voice calls out, sing to the Lord. Did it strike you as interesting that Miriam and the women of Israel thought to pack their tambourines as they fled? They hurriedly ate a meal of unleavened bread because there was no time to allow the bread to rise. They were fleeing, in danger with their oppressors quick to follow them, but the women packed tambourines. They were probably packing nothing but the bare necessities and the bare necessities included instruments of joy and celebration. Miriam's voice calls out, sing to the Lord. Even while they were standing far from their literal home, standing on the banks of the Red Sea with the wilderness of wandering stretching out ahead of them, Miriam called out, Sing to the Lord. They found a home on the road, if you will, but it did not have four walls, yet it held something of the shared history, the communal identity, the shared joy of being together. Sing to the Lord, says Miriam. Our faith life might be a journey 
and a long one. We are constantly learning and growing and changing. Life takes us to new places, both literally and figuratively. And a healthy faith is a faith that can grow and change at the Spirit's prompting. A dead letter cannot change, but living, growing, healthy spiritual lives can and should grow and change. But if we only ever think of faith as a journey, might it sometimes seem like we've never gotten home? That what we are doing is never enough? That we can never really celebrate because we have not yet arrived at our final destination? Perhaps faith can give us moments of a home on the road. Constantly growing and changing to be sure, aware of the fact that the road still stretches out before us, but also finding locations of belonging, communities of connection, true and deep rootedness along the way. In this moment, this very moment, even if some aspects of our lives are still unresolved, we can find ourselves truly at home in God's presence. Our context is different from Miriam's. Our lived experiences vary from hers. But some connections stretch across the ages. Miriam was able to find a sense of home, like the person who now lives in a place where their first language is not the first language of everyone around them, and upon hearing their first language unexpectedly said, that always feels like a little bit of home. Miriam found joy in an unlikely place. It makes me think of the woman who recently attended her sister's wedding just after experiencing her own divorce because of domestic violence. And reflecting back on the wedding said, I realized that it was possible for me to feel happy for someone else, even while I feel sad about some of the things in my own life. Or the person who shared with me a quote that really spoke to them at this particular moment in their own life, the quote was, I am not healing in order to be able to handle the trauma I have already been dealing with the trauma every day. I am healing in order to handle the joy. Or think of the person who arrived at an event and simply said, there's a lot going on right now, but I decided while I'm here today, I'm going to have fun. Miriam, while far from home, carved out a sense of home and belonging as she intentionally called the people to joy.
I was thinking about this intentionality around joy this week. So I thought I should try it out myself in some small, common way. An average day in Donaldson Park, nothing really newsworthy to report, just an average day. I looked at my watch and for two minutes, I tried to intentionally hit pause on my regular mulling over of mundane tasks, everyday stressors, questions to ponder. Two minutes, pause, just joy. Well, I would say that the prophet Miriam is still worth following today. She calls us to pause and to celebrate, to soak in the beauty, to relish the good. Sing to the Lord. Her voice echoes to us across the ages. Miriam is a prophet. She stands among the group of those faith leaders who share proclamations about issues that matter to the people. Prophets are those who speak a word about God's ways into our current situations. A prophet's words are often challenging or jarring. They are sometimes dissonant with the context because they are closer to being in harmony with divine ways. Prophets have something of double vision, seeing things as they are, but also seeing them as God would have them to be. And so the prophet Miriam, seeing clearly the vast and difficult wilderness that stretched out ahead, called the people to a time of celebration, worship, singing, and dancing. In fact, if you keep reading Exodus 15, you'll notice that the very next verse after what we read together, Moses leads the people out into the wilderness. The very next verse. While still displaced, Miriam called the people home to sing. While in the middle of challenges, she insisted on joy. It was not for lack of awareness of the struggles, but an additional awareness of the power of shared celebration that she led all the women to sing and dance. Homeless, displaced in the middle of nowhere, they created a bit of home in their song and celebration. Perhaps their celebration was a form of resistance, a deep insistence that the challenges would not consume each moment of each day. Maybe their song solidified within them again the relentless drive to end oppression in all of its forms. We all want displacement to end. Warring and international conflict and mortal threats should be uprooted, undone, so that people do not have to flee. Each person should have a home, a place 
of safety and belonging, and perhaps Miriam's song can drive us in that direction. Celebrating the good that God has already done can move us forward to work for a place of true shalom for all. And as we do so, perhaps the singing itself can become a type of home, a place to reside, a place to dwell where belonging and familiarity